Hello and a warm welcome to our podcast, Successful Student Transitions, A Time to Thrive, hosted by Louise Wiles and Elizabeth Gillis. In our podcast, we aim to support young people as they step out of the world of school life into work, study and help them thrive in new environments. It's been really fascinating talking with new students to hear their views, opinions and real experiences of life after the first term at university. This podcast is a reflection for us and hopefully you about what it takes to be successful in this and other transitions. Louise and I are really interested in all kinds of changes. Likely you've heard this if you've been listening to the podcast series. We've both had university experiences, perhaps a long time ago now. We've moved and lived in different countries with our families and we've been in different cultures. And it really makes you reflect on what's new, what you take for granted, what you're going to take with you, what you're adding to your experience, about the different ways people approach things. It's a rich and often overwhelming experience. There's a concept called cultural agility. It's written about, researched, and importantly taught to people. It's from a kind of organisational, cross-cultural psychology perspective, And the work is focused on people moving across cultures to take up new jobs and new posts somewhere new, perhaps in a different culture. So it's about the skills and knowledge that it takes to adapt well, be agile, be flexible, to thrive in making transitions to completely different contexts. There are some core elements to do this well, and we're going to share those with you today. Louise, you know, you're, you've been through this, you've been culturally agile. What does this meet, phrase mean for you? Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, it's interesting, actually, because just reflecting on that phrase, culturally agile, it makes me think, how culturally agile am I now? Because <laughs> I've been living in the UK for 10 years now, haven't moved internationally for a long time. But, you know, we all live within cultures that live within cultures, within cultures, you know, Often the work that is related to international mobility, where they talk about cultural agility, cultural intelligence, they're talking about that move between different national cultures. But of course, you know, we're all making moves and often from one culture to another. You know, if we're moving from the culture of a school environment, a college environment to university, that's often a big cultural shift. Different universities have different cultures. And as students, you probably have felt that as you were thinking about which university you wanted to go to, you have found a very different feel from one university to another and different things will have appealed to you about different places for different reasons. And that's often related to culture. The same with organisations. If you're looking for work, looking to work in a new organisation or shift between organisations. And even if you think about families at a family level, you know, we all have our own sort of family cultures, family stories, and the values and beliefs that are inherent in the way in which we live our lives, the rituals, the traditions that we all have. So we're surrounded by culture. Everything is culturally related, really. And so I think I'd say as we start this conversation today and this discussion around culture, for you to hold that in your mind um, and to think about the different cultures that you live within, the different contexts and how those have perhaps changed and what impact that's had on you and the 
cultural agility term comes from a lady called Paula Gallagheri, who's done a lot of research into this. And she defines it as the ability to comfortably and effectively work in different countries, because that's the work where her work first started, and with people from different cultures. So it's about comfort. Um, and so I want you to hold that in your mind as well, because when you move from something that you know to something new, something novel, that's quite a shift. And for us, for many reasons, which we might discuss in a bit more detail later on, we can find that as quite challenging, moving into a new situation. It can challenge us from a safety and security perspective. And we've discussed that in previous podcasts too. And and can be quite stressful for us. And actually, the level and the way in which we respond to it differs very differently from person to person because we all have different competencies and abilities. So that's what we're going on to talk about. So hopefully by the end of this conversation, you'll, you'll be able to think about, well, what, what do I possess that helps me and supports me in this kind of transition? And where can I focus on to improve as well? And actually, that's one other important point before we go on to all of this. What the research that Paula Gallagheri has found is that you can't learn this by just reading a book. You've got to be in it and experiencing it to develop these skills. So as you're at university in a new situation, new culture, you're actually in a perfect location to start developing these skills or improving them. Sorry, do you already have some of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, th I, th I think that's really important of being in it and I think one of the reasons why then we've taken what we're going to do is we're going to take the interviews of people that we were talking to, these new students, and look at where these cultural agility skills are working out in in their real life. So so hopefully that's good that's gonna be useful I'm today. Excited so, to yeah, just hear how that works out as we go. <laughs> so I mean there's huge kind of interest, isn't there? all about in this support for change where people are moving, whether culturally in country or culturally in different kind of situations. And I was listening recently, recently to something about, there's a, there's a writer, researcher, Boris Grossberg. He's got a book called Chasing Stars. And he writes about the portability of performance, where he's looked at high performance and he calls these high performers stars, and these stars move jobs. So there's a kind of cultural shift there. So in a star performer, according to Grossberg, is created by the culture and the resources within that organisation. And he views success closely linked to that organisation and the resources that are there. So when these stars move a job, it's all new, just like you as students. Everything's new. It's hard to be a star in a new place because the main contributing factors are not there. It takes about a star about five years to return to their high performance. However, if sometimes these stars take their teams with them, as often happens in work situations, that timeline is really shorted, shortened. So an interesting kind of dynamic there you know, when people who are successful move, what happens to them? And when I was listening, I really, I linked that and related that to school factors that maybe 
are contributing to student well-being and achievement, not just kind of academic for performance, but in a broad way, those long-term friendships, a safe environment, you know, people being aware of your strengths and skills, knowing who, who to ask for help, all those things that help to make you successful. And so likely the same process is happening here. It's taking you time to settle into your new culture of university, find the things that help you to be successful because you haven't necessarily taken them with, with you. So this concept of cultural agility is really useful in preparation and planning for change to different places. And also think like Louise said, thinking about it as you're in the place. Um, and it's not just useful in the work world. It's useful. People have looked at it when students have been studying abroad or in sports coaching, and we're going to use the concept today. We're going to be thinking about this cultural agility. What's the, what, what will help you? What will help you notice um, the things that are successful in this transition? Anything else you want to add to that, Louise? Yeah, I think... Perhaps yeah, just as a foundation, just as a basis for this. Okay, we're going to talk about six competencies that she's identified as sort of key to contributing to this cultural agility. But the question is, why do you need it? And I think yeah, often when we're talking about moving from one country to another, we talk about adjustment. You want to adjust to the new culture, and certainly a lot of the research work that oh, years ago I did for dissertation. Um, we were talking about adjustment, general adjustment to the general environment, adjustment to the culture. And yeah, we do want to adjust. That's one of the things that's where we adjust to, to perhaps some of our values, our beliefs, the way we look at things, our perspective to fit with this different and this new culture. But that's not always the best approach because sometimes we want to work to sort of share our approach and to find a better way of sort of integrating uh, 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 the way in which we we work within this new culture. So I'm just thinking as a student, you know, you're you're meeting new people. So you may have found in some situations you do find, okay, well, I need to adjust to behave in this way because that fits with practices in sport that you're following or as one of the social group. But in others, you might find that, oh, well, I'm working perhaps with a whole group of people on my course. And we need to work effectively together and we come with different approaches. So what you end up doing is integrating. So this is another way in which we adjust in culture. So you integrate different perspectives and you come to a way of working together that way. And then another one is minimization. So she has three. So as we adjust, we, we adapt. The second is we integrate different aspects of our group's perspectives. And the third is we minimize. So this might be where we think that some of the sort of different ways of, of perspectives aren't necessarily helpful. And what we want to just pick out are the ones that are similar and work best for us. So there are three different ways. And um, I think just hold that in your mind because then we use the different competencies to then decide which is the best way to approach different situations. And there's not necessarily a definitive right or definitive wrong it's how it works best for you, but also for the group that you're within. Get the best results for whatever reason you're working towards, whether it's work, social life, whatever. And um, just useful sometimes just to step back and go, oh, what is going on here? And is this the best approach or should we adjust slightly different to do, take a different approach? So, 
yeah, let's move on and, and talk about six different competencies. Yeah, let, let's do that. So the first the competency is something called tolerance of ambiguity. So it's about managing discomfort and uncertainty that accompanies, you know, most or many changes. It's our natural safety conscious mind alerting us to potential changes or threats in new places. Watch out, be careful, look what you're doing, kind of all that thing that our mind is very, very good at to kind of alert us to, to things that might be happening. And of course, we've got to tolerate it because we know that change brings uncomfortable thoughts and feelings to many people. It's normal and expected. And of course, it usually subsides over time as you maybe adapt to your, your circumstances. So this knowledge with the addition of some skills that support you can help you stick at what you need to do. And some examples from the podcast that we've taken up and we're going to highlight, it's not them all. We'd, we'd really encourage you to listen to, you know, maybe listen to the interviews after this and see if you, where you can see, or oh, there's some tolerance of ambiguity or, or the other competency we're going to talk about. Sam really nicely explained about his awareness of what he called friendship fear, that he would be nervous and scared. He knew that things would bring him challenge in the change, and he also anticipated other things about being caught off guard. But knowing this, knowing that there would be uncertainty, he wasn't thrown by it. He kept hold of wanting to be open to new things, despite having a level of discomfort. Another example was from Theodora, who also discussed openness, and she wanted to be open to feel the whirlwind of new things. That's how she described it. Indeed, tolerating things that she couldn't control. You know, who can control a whirlwind? She also wanted to have time, as she explained with her brain, acknowledge the thoughts that might arise and having a plan to manage. So really kind of like explaining in her words, about how she's tolerating this uncertainty. Sophia also sh shared her acceptance of the range of feelings at the time, missing people from home, being awkward in new experiences with people, being aware of that FOMO, that feeling of there's some conflict about wanting to go out with other people and wanting to be part of a, of a group, but also wanting to kind of look after themselves and doing the things that she knew she needed. And Marianne talked about just biting the bullet, doing the hard stuff to get to what you want to do. And for all of our interviewees, they use this knowledge of it's not going to be easy and they might not be there yet with a whole range of new experiences. It reminded me a little bit of the marshmallow experiment that you likely know about, about children being presented with marshmallows and being saying, don't eat don't eat that one. Just watch it, and um, if and when I come back, I'll leave you with it. You'll get more if you wait. And some of those children waited. They tolerated their discomfort, but they did it by having a range of skills. They just didn't sit and watch the marsh marshmallow. They sang. They covered their eyes. Um, they went to other bits of the room. You know, they did things to help them. They were four at the time. They did things to help them manage and tolerate that feeling of uncertainty and discomfort. And in today's world, you know, too, with the appearance of things in demand, there's no wait. There's kind of 
you know, that instant gratification or things coming quickly. You know, it's really viewed in the world of psychology that these this this tolerating discomfort and uncertainty is one of the biggest skills you can have. It's really linked with growing resilience, and we'll talk about that later. But it's a really important skill. And maybe it's one that won't come to you all quickly, but it's something that you can develop, maybe the, one of those things that you can really develop. And we'd ask you kind of then when talking about this, how does that sit with you? Do you expect new situations to be challenging? And how do you manage that? How do you, what kind of strategies do you have that will be helpful to kind of help you manage this? So there's, there's our first skill, Louise, tolerating ambiguity. So the second skill is resilience. So I don't know what definition that brings to mind, your mind, when you hear the word resilience. Often it's described as the ability to, to bounce back or to come back to good sort of operational ability after a setback of, of some kind. So you can cope with the challenges, recognizing they have an impact, but you then you know, overcome them and come back to being able to yeah, take on new challenges again. And I think we've talked about resilience a bit in previous podcasts. We've talked about a concept called anti-fragility, which actually I would prefer to talk about here, but that's about seeing the potential for growth through challenge. I think that's much more of an exciting way of looking at challenge. You know, how can I grow and develop as a result of the challenges I've faced and overcome? So something for you to think about there. When you move to and into a new and different culture or a different place, when everything's new and you don't have your supportive network, there is initially a drain on your resilience. And you can feel a bit fragile in those situations because you're having to face new situations. Your resilience is zapped. And at this point, if you think back to the well-being bucket that we discussed in episode 23, there are fillers, things that fill your well-being bucket. So sleep, good nutrition, all of those kinds of things. And then drains, the challenges that draw from that well-being bucket and impact on our level of well-being negatively. And this transition to university demands both mental and emotional effort. It can be exciting on one side of the coin and overwhelming on the other. And we might have to be sort of keeping pace, keeping busy with all that's new. And as we're doing all of that, we can forget to keep our bucket filled. We forget to take care of ourselves, to recharge our batteries. and. You know, if we, we veer off course um, and if we feel that things aren't going so well, if we have take time to sort of consider how we can enhance our well-being, then we can bring ourselves back to, to that state without beating ourselves up too much. Making mistakes, and yeah, we're all going to make mistakes, um, but recognising that we can learn from those too is a really important part of that skill of resilience. So if we listen and think about some of the interviews and hear what they have said about their experience of, of resilience in these early days of the university experience. You know, Sam talked about the stresses of the new term and making sure you're doing things that you enjoy. So keeping that bucket filled. 
with have with having things that support you and help you to feel comfortable in your own space. You talked about cooking, joining new activities, and being independent, and being careful not to compare yourself with others all the time. So, just yeah, I guess it's about being conscious of how you're coping with the situation and listening and noticing those negative, more challenging thoughts and emotions, and then counteracting that with something more positive or something more supportive. Theodora talked about how she took a gap year, and because of that, she felt she lost her knowledge about how she was successful academically. Uh, So to be back in university, in the educational environment, She's found that basing herself in the library and going there with friends has helped bring her back to that place of being successful and that she's still finding her feet. So that's a lovely sort of example of self-knowledge and understanding and how she could positively support herself through something that she knew would be potentially challenging. In the busyness of that first term, wanting to build a solid foundation, Marianne realised that she was thinly spreading herself Maybe that elastic band of resilience being stretched too far with signs of not getting enough sleep, being tired and feeling the tiredness of social contact and being on autopilot, she talked about. So reconnecting with herself with what she wanted and needed at times really helped. And she gave herself some really helpful advice, which was to cut herself some slack. So I think a really common element for our students was in building routines and rituals and structure that supported them through the challenging times and helped them cope with sense of overwhelm and stress at times. Elizabeth, any any other thoughts? I I think having some really clear examples in the interview was was reassuring wasn't it because they they could see themselves and understand they they could see it in themselves that there was a struggle there and they did something to minimize it to kind of reduce that struggle in them and there was also a bit about they were still doing it so even after the first term it wasn't all done they're still managing those changes and adaptations into this new place yeah yeah, and actually, I think that's a really important point and a parallel to draw from all this sort of cross-cultural work that goes on in organisations and um, for people moving internationally. So that adjustment isn't done well and done in the first weeks or even months. You know, it can take people say up to a year, two years to fully, you know, feel comfortable in a new environment. So cut yourself some slack there too if you're in term two thinking I'm still not there yet. You've still got time. <laughs> it will still take time. And and the board- and the Boris Grossman's research says he yeah. said five years. So yeah. Yeah. you know, it tells us that it takes time. And well, I go and well, we do the third competency yes, competency then, which is something that we've touched a little bit on, but we've never kind of had a deeper dive into it. And it's called curiosity. And it's not surprising that this is this is a suggested competency because it really contributes to success of being a new place, being open to things, as we've heard students wanting to be, being open, being interested. You know, if you're a new student, you're likely seeking new experiences, going into places that are very different and 
similar maybe sometime too. So it's not just about the differences you're looking at, you're you're curious about the similarities too. And having a curiosity just not about place and people and this new thing that you're doing, but having a curiosity about yourself, about how you're adapting and how you're changing in a new place. So some of the highlights we took out of the of the student talks was about Sam when he's saying he gained a new perspective on university life when he was talking and asking questions with friends and family about what their university was like and learning from them. So that curiosity was there and an open mind about what the opportunity for him was about going to a place like this, being able to be more independent. This was also a theme for Evie. He was figuring out how to live on her own in a healthy way. She was also noticing that when things weren't working for her, being curious about her adjustment and taking action to make positive differences. So you know, sometimes people talk about pivoting there. So that, that kind of self-awareness again and, and being curious about why this is happening to me and making some changes about it. Marianne was keen to experiment with different ways of meeting people and building relationships with others who had a passion about their learning. So she was experimenting with those things. And Isis was also curious about the different people she might meet and the different stories, knowing that it'd be a much group, wider group of people than she'd previously encountered. And in reflection about the surprises of this first term, Isis described I had the feeling that time can pass quickly and slowly at kind of the same time. That speed of freshers week and perhaps the down days are bringing her very different experiences. So a nice view of where students are getting their curiosity from or their experience with friends, with place and with themselves. Yeah, yeah. And listening to you, you describe that and just thinking about how curiosity relates back to the other two competencies, tolerance of ambiguity and resilience, because you can use that curiosity to help you, you know, reflect on where you've been resilient and where you haven't, what you can do to enhance it, and the same with tolerance of ambiguity as well. And I think I love, there's a book by Bruce Feiler, I think we've mentioned him in a previous podcast called Life is in the Transition. And he was asked to do one of those speeches, you know, at the end of university year graduation ceremonies in the states and he said his one of his top tips was just go out and be curious just go out and be curious be interested and curious to know more know more about your subject know more about people and the culture and society you're living within so yeah go out and ask questions uh, out there as well as of yourself as well great so that brings us to the end of the three competencies that relate to personal awareness or developing personal awareness in relation to cultural agility. So now I'm going to move on to talk about a few competencies that relate to relationship management in the sort of cultural environment and building cultural agility. So the first one is about perspective taking. And this is all about where you can appreciate that people see and experience things differently. I'm sure if you think about your experience so far at uni, you will have noticed times when you perhaps thought, oh, I don't see that in quite the same way. So that's an example of your ability to see perspective from your own perspective, but then also begin to see that other people may have different takes, different perspectives on things. And you can use this understanding, though maybe 
less comparing yourself with others, less judgment about other people, and that there might be only one way to do things. So it's kind of a broadening and acceptance that we all come to life and situations with a completely different way of seeing things sometimes, or just a slightly different way of seeing things sometimes, and how it is really worth taking a step back sometimes. And if I, I often find myself, if I start to go, feel a bit kind of, for me, it's a guttural feeling of slight discomfort. Yeah, I think, oh, I'm not really liking what I'm hearing, but I need to take a step back and think about why I'm not liking it. So worth thinking about perspectives, your perspective and how they may differ from others. So talking about the students and the conversations that Elizabeth had with them, Sophia and Isis both experienced me from a small town or countryside to being at a city university and the anticipation of meeting a whole range of different people who had different stories about their lives and their hometowns. And they felt open to taking on new perspectives and learning about other people's experiences. Evie articulated her, her view that everyone's university experience is different. So that's nice, recognising that everyone sees it from a slightly different perspective. And even if you're on the same course or in the same accommodation, and knowing that her friends from home will be experiencing the ups and downs of their new university experiences too, but perhaps in different ways. They're all finding ways to manage their different challenges, she said. You know, I, I think it's important to have these these take on that people see things differently because in a world where we're a lot more connected you know there might be ways that we're comparing a lot more with each other and and perhaps we're even judging more but often in a negative way you know this comparison and judgment are part of our lives but we should be making sure we're you know we're safe we're making good decisions so it might be worth asking yourself about taking a positive perspective you know what's the good in this um what am i doing well what's that other people what's that other person doing well you know how are they managing it because it will be different from you so not that's not that you're taking on a perspective like like there's you know evie knowing that her university experience is going to be very different from her friends and not making a judgment about that, just saying, oh, well, it's different or not make a judgment that they're doing it worse than she is. There was a little pressure when some of the students were coming home at, at Christmas time. Some of them were anticipating, oh, everybody's going to be talking about their university experiences and are they going to be better than mine and stuff. So there was that sometimes a little bit of anticipation that there would be a lot more comparing and contrasting but we know maybe with a hint of it wasn't going to be a good experience and a few of them felt it didn't happen like that at all so being able to take on other people's experiences just to know that they're different and not make so many judgments about it is a good thing a bit linked with curiosity as well isn't it louise yeah <laughs> well, we go on to the fifth competency, which is cultural humility. And this is about the awareness that where I'm going, what you're going to do is going to be different and that you're going to have to learn some new things about the place 
learn how to be successful in a new environment. Maybe even thinking about where am I going to get the support from? Who can I ask for help with? So there's an acceptance of the limits of what you know. And that means there's a need for you to give some attention to it, to think about there's a lot I'm not going to know here, to update your knowledge, to explore what this might mean for you in order for this transition to go really well. And there was a lot of evidence from the interviewees that they were asking friends and family for advice about university life. They asked about knowledge of the city or particular university. Some students actually used the university information websites. The wealth of it is there, though at times they kind of felt it was a bit overwhelming. Sophia talked about visiting the city to get a feel of it before turning up brand new. So she knew a little bit about it before she went there. Theodora was aware of her new role about being in charge of admin and the skills needed for that, but thankfully she gained before university. And Evie was also glad of advice about gaining knowledge of bud budgets before going to university, which helped her be responsible with her finances. Isis talked about her journey of discovering herself as a young adult, figuring out what she needed to do to be successful. The example she gave was about going out of her way to get help from seminar leaders or asking questions of lecturers, actively looking for herself and making a priority of her academic studies to help find the help, the, the support that she needed. And interesting to hear Isis' reflection that in doing this, finding the help, finding the things that supported her, once she'd done it, she felt it was easy. So that going from a place of, I don't know something, to finding ways to know things and to understand things and to know that you're a, a learner in this space is, is a good one, isn't it, Louise? Yes. And having the confidence to you know, acknowledge that, I think, is part of the whole humility competence. And I think it feeds very strongly into the next competency, which is about relationship building. And I think we talked about this even in our episodes on relationship building, you know, having the humility to um, admit, perhaps, I think perhaps we talked about it as being vulnerable, actually, but, you know, one way of making that connection with others is to share where you're struggling and how you're struggling. Often that creates a, a bit of affinity and a connection between people. So the sixth competency is about relation building in a relationship building in a, in a broad way. This is seen when people have a desire to make genuine friendships and relationships with other, others. They go out of their way to meet different kinds of people they're interested in, and they're also interested in their stories and, and being curious. So bringing curiosity back into this one too. And of course, when we're thinking about university, the biggest relationship building is with other students, so those in your accommodation, on your course, in clubs and societies. And if we were to think more broadly, it could be about seeking connection with your course tutors, seminar leaders, or with the wider community, perhaps in local groups, charities, clubs that you're involved in, churches, um, religious groups, or if you have a job with those colleagues as well. So building so relationships broadly, you know, with students, but then beyond that as well. And you'll be doing it probably without realizing some of the time as well. 
Um, but being conscious about it really helps too. And then also there's building that connection with the place, the location you're in, the city, the campus. You know, if you're in a new part of the UK or you're abroad, being curious about it, again, finding out about the traditions, um, finding the nice places to go and learning about the area is really beneficial. It's also a really important base for cultural understanding, actually, you know, understanding the, the traditions that are inherent in that sort of local culture. And being comfortable and connected to a place can promote that sense of belonging and we all want to feel we belong and so being curious about it and new learning helps you develop that sense of sort of familiarity and then that becomes hopefully over time a sense of belonging and that's such an important factor when moving between cultures and that helps you to develop you know a very positive feeling um, that you have more than one home and that was discussed as well in the interviews as well having home at home but also home at university and living between the two so all of our interviewees rated making friends as one of their top priorities and i guess there are no surprises there because the more and more research is done on this the more we come to understand that that sense of connection and belonging is crucial for us all for our well-being isis talked about wanting solid relationships and being honest with flatmates to build those deep relationships Marianne also viewed making friends as incredibly important, having people that you feel safe with, who are trustworthy and who you can relax with and be yourself with. She also talked about creating the two homes that I just mentioned, her family home and her university home. So a real broad connection between people and place. And Theodora talked about her good fortune in having some friends already at the university Perhaps having established friends already in the new location might act as a buffer in settling into university life. She also had a wider group of contacts from her parents' friends in the city that she could call on if needed. So building relationships in quite a broad way there. And even with effort, some of the students knew they hadn't achieved a deep level of friendship in the first term yet, <laughs> knowing that it takes time and effort as we discussed in previous podcasts. The friends at home were a positive factor to continue to connect with in this first term when returning home for a break. And I think that's a really important point when it comes to relationships. Remember that your relationship network is not just your current one, it's your past relationships. And investing in those is really important and, and continuing those friendships and relationships. That might be worth thinking when listening to this about what your priority, what priority you place on building friendships and relationships and how will you aim to build broadly, so broaden out that friendship base and what would that look like for you? Any reflections on that, Elizabeth? Yeah, I, I, think, I think when we've talked about relationships before, We've, we have mentioned like those different layers and levels of friendship, but I really like talking about relationship building in a broad way. I really, that was a phrase I hadn't come across before, before looking at this cultural agility stuff. So that's a big add on to me about the breadth of your friendships. Yeah, and I remember when I was doing my research all that time ago for my dissertation, one of the measures I used for relationships was 
depth and breadth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that for years. But yes, so it was the, the depth, the, the degree to which you, know, you, you build those deep relationships. But another factor is also having that breadth of relationship, friendship. Well, there's, there's something more for us to think about there, I think. You know, how, you know, if you were thinking about where your relationships are at the moment, with, you know, hearing the students in that term one, a lot of them felt that, yeah, they, they'd made them f- quite quickly they'd made some connections and some people felt that it was it was slow to happen and and so it's how you get that depth and breadth and I think that's something to come for us to come back to yeah and actually one thing I just saw from personal experience of moving abroad quite a lot and making you know successively make new networks of friends you know sometimes what happens is you get the breadth but not the depth and sometimes the other way around, you know, connect with one person in the first two weeks and that becomes, that person becomes a really great friend. But I know, you know, one time I moved, I had a breadth of friendships, but I can remember thinking, when am I going to meet that person I really click with? And eventually I did, and she's still a friend to this day and we're in contact regularly and we spend a lot of time together, but it took time to get to that point. So I would say, to anyone who's sitting there thinking, well, I've got the breadth, but not the depth. And it's, that, it's not a reflection on you. It's often circumstance, situation, and just the way in which you you connect. And over time, that will come. Just keep going. Keep having those conversations, being curious and developing relationships. And you, you'll find that it comes with time. Yeah. And links back to that star performer thing, doesn't it? That were, you know, when when I mentioned the star performer, it wasn't just in terms of the academics, but in the terms of, you know, your relationship building. So it's good to know that um, it, you know, for us to reinforce again, it's going to take time. It's just going to take time. So we provided some snippets of the conversations and we really recommend listening to each to gain a rich picture of life in this first term of university. And it might be you can hold up that lens as well of those competencies of those six uh, from the research and be thinking, oh, there's a person's talking about that. Because sometimes it's easier to see it in some other people than see it in yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, wow, we have really covered a lot today. And I just want to summarise those six competencies for you. So the first three related to developing personal awareness and of cultural agility in novel situations. And they were tolerance of ambiguity, resilience and curiosity. And the next three related to relationship management in novel situations. And they were cultural perspective taking, humility and relationship building. So at this point, we suggest perhaps taking a little bit of time to think about your experience of this transition, of this move to a new and novel situation and environment. Think about your experience in relation to these six competencies, just as we did with the content shared by the students in their conversations with Elizabeth. So some pointers for reflection for each competency area are, so taking those personal awareness competencies, Firstly, tolerance of ambiguity. Think about how did you manage when a situation was uncertain or unclear? So perhaps thinking back to the beginning of that first term, those first weeks or anything new that you've encountered recently. How do you manage in those situations? What do you feel? What are your emotional reaction? What do you do? 
and perhaps ask yourself how could you be more flexible and agile in those situations resilience how resilient are you in particular how good are you at noticing when challenges undermine or drain your resilience what helps you to build your resilience from a well-being perspective and here we're thinking of all that well-being content we covered from episode 21 onwards the fundamentals that we discussed but then the other factors too and how is curiosity playing out for you how open are you to asking questions to better understand the new environment and culture that you're living in when you are interested and curious how does this help you socially and in the academic setting then thinking about relationship management so perspective taking How do you reduce the temptation to jump to judgment? That is so easy in these situations, isn't it? But how do you reduce that temptation and instead seek to understand the perspective of others and to consider how that perspective may impact on their behaviours? Cultural humility. We talked about the value of intellectual humility in an earlier podcast. And here we extend this to considering the cultural environment too. How often do you step back and acknowledge that there is always more to be learned and understood. It's just so true. And relationship building. How have you built your new relationships and trust with new friends, with your peers and colleagues and academic staff? And how do you feel about your current friendship circle, relationship circle, in terms of the depth of some of those relationships and its breadth? And here we're talking about the entirety of it, so those relationships at university, but also in other environments that you're connected with, perhaps at home as well. And what can you do to further develop both if you feel you want to? Now, if you want to learn more about the concept of cultural agility, then we recommend you take a look at the book by Bola Gallagheri, which is called Build Your Cultural Agility, available from Amazon and all good booksellers. You might also like to try out her cultural agility assessment, and you can do that by going to the website myguide.com. So that's spelled M-Y-G-I-I-D-E.com. You can set up an account and take the assessment for free with a basic level of feedback. And for a small fee, which I think currently about $35, you can upgrade to receive a much fuller report with recommendations and ideas for future development. Finally, just to make a note, we also mentioned the book by Boris Groisberg. His book was Chasing Stars, and that's available on Amazon and at all good booksellers too. So thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week when we're going to start a new series where we're talking all about preparation for exams and assessments as we come up to exam season. This isn't just for university students. This would be relevant for anyone sitting exams, really, at this time of year. So we hope you have a great week. And also, finally, do remember to come and find us on Instagram. That way we can connect and keep in touch with you, which would be fantastic. Thanks so much for listening once again. Take care. Bye-bye for now. And now for the legal bits. The information contained in this podcast is information purposes only. The content is not intended to act as a substitute for professional advice. Please do not delay in seeking professional help for any medical or mental health condition. 
Use of the information in this podcast and associated materials is at the user's own risk. <laughs>